welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? The Melbourne Demons win their first AFLW Premiership. The Adelaide Strikers also win their first Premiership in WBBL, not AFLW. And Lauren Parker wins her third para-triathlon world title. For our key story, we'll chat to WNBL star Annalie Maley about her season so far and the league's upcoming fighting period poverty round. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. We were not in the grand final on the weekend. And I'm joined every week on the show by boy, my co-host Bez. Bez, how are you this morning? I'm pretty good, friend. How was your weekend? Well, we had a lovely time up the coast, up at Crescent Head for one of my good friend's weddings. And I had a 9am meat pie on my way back this morning. And I've actually got a takeaway vanilla slice from Heather Bray, the best vanilla slice in Australia. (laughs) Travelling pies, how good. I'd love to do a travelling TFAP with vanilla slice all the way. (laughs) We just do a tour of the East Coast bakeries. Except I never know how to eat a vanilla slice. With your mouth. No, like they just, they just, I've got it right here with me. Hmm? Yeah, look. <laughs> it's not a car. It's definitely not a car food unless you want oh, it all yum. over your car. That is so delicious. Sorry, that was not planned. Now I'm going to have to finish my mouth. <laughs> this, this podcast is sponsored by Vanilla Slices. Right. This podcast <laughs> actually drops every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. You can get an email. Links in the show notes if you want to sign up. And maybe I'll put down the name of the Vanilla Slice space. Let's take a look around the grounds. In AFLW, the Demons did it. Oh, my prediction was wrong. I wanted them to win, but I thought the Lions were going to be too good. And, oh, I'm stoked for them. Obviously, I got it right. But also, I was remiss to not note last week that not only did I get the World Cup result for the women's rugby 15s right, I actually got the margin correct too. In the rugby World Cup? Yeah. That was ages ago. You've missed the boat there. Well, look, just your dad actually mentioned it to me. He goes, you got the margin right and everything, Bez. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realise. Did you get the margin right from the AFLW grand final? Mm, I'm sure I picked one. I can't remember what you said. Maybe by a goal. So, yes, I did. Close enough. Close enough. Okay, let me get back to my story. Thank you. Sunday Arvo in Springfield was humid and tense. They had to bring in some rules around the heat. Melbourne skipper, who is an icon in women's football, was in her element. 7,412 people packed into the new Springfield ground in Ipswich to witness Melbourne win their first ever AFLW flag. They won two goals 7-19 to two goals 3-15. The Brisbane Lions started the better of the two teams with Dakota Davidson and Catherine Spark kicking back-to-back majors in the first quarter. The Ds got their first goal in the second quarter when Blaith and Mackin capitalised on the D's pressure, the Lions had turned it over in their defensive 50. There was a lot of pressure around the footy as both teams piloted on their two of the best midfields, obviously, in the competition, and there was a fair bit going on around the ball. But the Lions were kept scoreless in the second quarter, while another two behinds from the Demons meant they were trailing by only two points at halftime. In the third quarter, Taylor Harris took a great mark pretty much right in front of goal and and kicked it truly 
as they say, for a goal for the Ds to take a four-point lead. The final quarter was so stressful, bit of a chess match with neither team being able to find the goal they so desperately desired. Melbourne held on. This, oh, the siren going was, was a big moment, wasn't it? They had to, I guess, overcome the heartbreak of losing a grand final earlier this year because we have played two seasons in a year. So I think the way that they were able to bounce back and seal that one over the favourites was very, very special. Post-match, Daisy refused to discuss her future in the game, instead heaping praise on her playing group, coaching staff and the club. She said she was pretty um, she was pretty, pretty blunt in some of her statements, wasn't she? I loved it. Yeah, she was, a, she was super candid and it was very nice, very nice. She said, I'm just so proud of our group. They played their absolute hearts out. I'm not thinking any further ahead than that right now. Don't make me even think about it and rob me of these moments. I'm just so proud of this team. When asked about the venue, (laughs) Pierce said, we don't care where we're playing. We're playing in a grand final and we're going up there to win it. They invited the wrong team to their housewarming. (laughs) Savage, but I like it. So good. So, yeah, Daisy also paid tribute to head coach Mick Snaneer and had a dig at some other clubs when she noted – we don't have the best facility in the comp. We're a bit off Broadway. We're not the most popular team and we don't have all the bells and whistles. We don't give away cars to players that come to us, but we've got the best coach in the competition that helps make you a good footballer. Love that. Uh, Lions defender Shannon Campbell was named player of the match after registering 562 metres gained from 19 disposals, taking eight marks and winning nine intercepts. She was the first to win best on ground from a losing team in AFLW history. This, you knew that I was going to discuss this. Can you win best on ground if you're part of the losing team? Because I think no. Uh, I think in the think case yes. of a grand final, I think no. And Shannon was excellent. It felt a lot of the time Melbourne were, when there was a lot of pressure on them, particularly towards the end of the game, they just kept surge kicking it right. And it felt like she was just everywhere. So she played exceptionally. I just don't think best on ground from a grand final can go to the losing team. It's my opinion. Wait, so do you agree that you can do? I do, but sometimes it's a, you know, obviously player of the match is a very individual award and you can have a screamer and still lose because your team's not good enough, you know. You can still stand out. I do think it's a hollow, it must be a very hollow feeling for that person to win on a losing team though. Yeah, I think I felt for Shannon Campbell having to get up there and do a speech. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she played very well. From an optics perspective, absolutely. It should be a winning player who's pumped and gets to wear two medals out that night, you know, like. But, yeah, I think as a rule, I still think that if you've really excelled and you've beat but your team's just come up short, you can still win the bog. Also last week the AFLW announced a new all-time AFLW club membership record of 75,568 AFLW members. That number surpassed the record of 48,712 that was set for season six. The season seven total is 55% growth season on season. 17 of the 18 clubs achieved AFLW membership records with Sydney Swans with 7,757. That was a hard number to read. The Adelaide Crows. So many sevens. So many sevens. Adelaide Crows 6706 and Geelong Cats 5938, the top three clubs. Well done. Again, another, another stat that makes it slightly confounding that they played in a stadium that only held 8,000 people on Sunday, but 
we'll move on from that. I like that you were saying well done and I thought you were saying well done for me reading the numbers out correctly. <laughs> no, well done to all the people. In all honesty, though, um, this is really an area that you can, you buy memberships, it supports the clubs like that. Yes. And genuine area where you can make change in women's sport so get out there and buy memberships people in whatever code it is that you love all, all of the codes actually just buy more great in wbbl another code that you love i love the adelaide strikers have created history by winning their first wbbl championship with a 10-run triumph over the sydney Sixers in the final the strikers batted first and west indies all-rounder deandra dotton knocked a classy 52 not out off 37 balls she was well supported by Katie Max, who was 31 off 26, and Tali McGrath, 24 off 21. That set a total of 5 for 147 for the Sydney Sixers to chase on their home ground at North Sydney Oval. But Don not only knocked up the runs, she came out and fired with the ball as well. She took two wickets to solidify her player of the match performance from her winning team, which I'm sure pleased Chloe. Aussie quick Darcy Brown also chimed in with two wickets to be the best of the strikers bowlers, conceding just 15 runs from her four overs. The Sixers struggled early in their run chase to be four for 16 at one stage with Alyssa Healy, one, and Ash Gardner, a duck, making no impression against the strikers bowling attack. And look, they never really recovered from that start. Those two are obviously two of their strike batters. Um, Elise Perry and Nicole Bolton steadied the Sixers innings with a 60-run stand for the fifth wicket, but their partnership ended when Bolton was bowled by Talia McGrath for 32 before Perry was removed by Darcy Brown for 33. It was a sweet victory for the Adelaide team in front of over 6,500 fans at North Sydney Oval. The strikers had finished running runners-up in the last two WBBL seasons, and Talia McGrath said after the match, this one's been a long time in the making, which makes it that extra special. When you get so close so many times, you keep the same group together, you keep fighting, and you finally get one. The Strikers obviously had a pretty hectic week. Uh, in a 36-hour period from defeating the Brisbane Heat in the... The Challenger? <laughs> <laughs> in the Challenger on Thursday evening to catching a 6am flight to Sydney on the Friday morning to the first ball of the final being plat bowled at 5.20 on Saturday Arvo. McGrath said, look, the hectic schedule may have given her side momentum, but overall it was their composure both leading into the game and during it that gave them the edge. She said, this one's special for me for different reasons. It's my home state. It's something I'm really passionate about. I've been there since day one. And um, Nicole Bolton obviously also announced her retirement. She's been an amazing Aussie cricketer. In more cricket, a somewhat new look Australian squad was announced for the upcoming tour of India and they'll be led by Elisa Healy, who will captain Australia for the first time. Healy will lead a team which includes teenage batter Phoebe Litchfield, ex-Ireland quick Kim Garth, and all-rounder Heather Graham, who are all in line to make Australian T20 international debuts on next month's five-match tour of India after bolting into the 15-player touring party. The tour serves as crucial preparation for the T20 World Cup next February in South Africa. Healy steps in as Meg Lanning continues her break away from the game and she's excited to lead the group, saying it's just an amazing group of women at the moment that have done some really amazing things over the last four years. Healy wasn't sure whether she was the right person to lead the Australian T20 team in India, but some words from Lanning helped convince her. Speaking after the announcement, Healy said about Lanning, I was fortunate enough to be able to break the news to her myself, which was really cool. She was really chuffed. I've been chatting to her. She's going really well and is looking forward to coming back at some point. 
that's really pleasing for us as a team that hopefully she'll be back around the group. In golf, next weekend's Australian Open will see a first for golf in Australia when a major is played in a dual gender format. The tournament will be played at both Victoria Golf Club and Kingston Heath. Thursday and Friday will be split across the two courses before the first cut and then the final two days of the tournament will be played at the Victoria Golf Club. So there's been a bit of chat around this. Australia's top female golfer, Minji Lee, said it's a huge win for fans who will be able to watch men and women compete alongside each other as they do at tennis Grand Slam tournaments. There's equal prize money for both the men and women uh, of $1.7 million. Yeah, so that's that's equal. Um, and Lee's excited, as I said, to play against the men. And she said, I'm going to have a great time. And I think a lot of people are going to have a great time. A lot of people can come and watch both men's and women's golf. Hang on, sorry. Do they play? They don't play against each other. Is it just alongside each other? Yeah, so it's like a, um, a tennis major. So I don't know the exact format, but I would assume maybe a group of four women hit off and then a group of four men hit off and then et cetera. So, yes, there's obviously always another side to it. Olympian Scott Hend has criticised the format, arguing that men and women should each have their own Australian Opens rather than sharing the stage. Hend said, I have no issue playing with the ladies. I just think the Australian Open deserves more recognition for the ladies and the men. We should have our own separate weeks. Hen said he felt a combined tournament meant the female golfers would be unfairly compared with the men. Hey, at Scott Hend, I think the women can decide whether or not they're being unfairly compared. Thank you so much, though. <laughs> your, your contribution has been noted and filed appropriately. <laughs> Golf Australia boss James Sutherland has defended the format, which is a first for a national open. He said, one, we've seen the Vic Open, which is a format which has been played for a number of years very successfully down at 13th Beach, but also we've drawn inspiration from the tennis. We see that putting the men and women on the same stage, it's a great celebration of golf. It exposes the game in a different sort of way, and we're really looking forward to the opportunity for crowds to come to the game and see men and women together on that same stage. In more golf news, the LPGA announced that tour purses will top a record $100 million in 2023. That's US dollars too. US dollars. That's like probably close to 300 mil with the current dollars. (laughs) I told you you chose the wrong sport. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. If I ever have a kid. The LPGA's 33 official events next year will have a combined $101.4 million in purses, an increase of about 18% over what was planned for this season and more than doubling what was paid out on the tour just a decade ago. LPGA Commissioner Molly Makusaman was pleased with the increase but was quick to point out that the LPGA still has plenty of room for growth. She said, I think we're trying to grow as much as we can possibly grow. I think it's a milestone, not a target. Ooh, another T-shirt. There's so many of these smart women everywhere, aren't there? I think it just symbolizes the next level of evolution for the tour, but I don't think we feel like we're done. We feel like there's much more investment to be had in the women's game, and we're passionate about getting that. The five women's golf majors account for $37.9 million of the planned purses, led by $10 million set to be paid out of the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach next July. It's not too late, friend. Third sport, fourth sport coming in hot. Oh, $10 million is tempting, isn't it? In soccer. I'm leaving that alone. In soccer. 
<laughs> the A-League Women Grand Final replay saw a reversal of the result from last season with Sydney FC securing a 2-0 win over the Melbourne victory on the weekend. Prized Sydney FC recruit Madison Haley scored a goal on debut when she pounced on a loose pass in the 41st minute and was quickly through on goal. She had plenty to do, though. She had to round victory keeper Casey Dumont, but she was good enough to finish in the far top corner from a tight angle for a well-deserved opener. The Sky Blues doubled their lead in the first half stoppage time when Princess Abini ran to almost the same spot Haley had scored from across the ball. Dumont looked to have had the threat covered but fumbled the ball into defender Kayla Morrison who could only knock the rebound back into the goal. I hate own goals. They're just horrible. Mm, Look on their face. Newcomers Western United backed up their opening round win with a dominant display against the Wellington Phoenix. American strike duo Jess McDonald and Hannah Keane were immense and found the back of the net to help their team to a 4-1 victory. They are the only team to have kicked off the season with two wins and sit on top of the ladder. In triathlon, Lauren Parker was once again up against her great rival from America, Kendall Gretsch. So we know what happened at the Tokyo Paralympics. We've chatted about it a few times on The Wrap, the heartbreaking moment where she got pipped just at the line. And I kind of feel for Lauren Parker because I feel like now every time they come up against each other, it's almost this talk of like getting revenge every single time, which I'm sure there's a level of that, but I'm sure she's also like, I just want to go out and compete and win the race. But she's done it. She won her third wheelchair paratriathlon world title in Abu Dhabi. Some pretty hot conditions. And in the bike leg, she actually had to pull over and do a few mechanical things. Did she do a DIY? Do you know? I imagine that they're well equipped to fix their own equipment. I think so. I think they do have a handler though. I'm, I haven't seen the footage of it. I'm going to look it up after this. It was a battery situation. Yes, I saw that. How does that work? Unsure. Is there a bit of extra push from a battery? Something to do with gears or? Yeah, right. Okay, I'm going to have to look on, this up on, and to be continued next week's episode. Onboard air conditioning? Oh, that would be nice. A little fan. Mm. That would be lovely. <laughs> she overcame the issue and she held on to beat a fast finishing Gretsch by 15 seconds. It's not a long time, is it? In mm-hmm. one hour, eight seconds, 0.43. I have not nailed that. I never nail those. After the race, she admitted, my gears stopped working on the first lap of the bike, so I had to change batteries, but I overcame that, kept pushing on, and I did it. For the first time ever in the sport, a paratriathlon mixed relay was held in Abu Dhabi. The showcase event saw nine teams line up, two from Australia and USA, France, Italy, and three world triathlon mixed nationality teams. Several of the freshly crowned 2022 world champs were among the athletes making a piece of history. Team Australia number two, which is a team of Parker alongside Jeremy Peacock and Sam Harding, won the race from Team USA number one. Peacock said after the race, to break the tape and take it home in the first race was a huge honour. It's such a great opportunity for paratriathlon. We've seen what it has done on the Olympic program, so hopefully we can do the same for the Paralympic program now. That was an epic first event. We all have learned a lot today. I think it's quite tricky from what I was reading in regards to forming the teams based on how different a lot of people's um, abilities are and, and what their what their classifications are. So that's why I think they've it's only relatively new. Yeah, right. So they have to do similar to, say, like wheelchair rugby with the point system. Is that yep. how they've done it? Yes, I believe so. In Rugby Union, Charlotte Caslick has claimed 
a third World Rugby Sevens Player of the Year award at the World Rugby Awards in Monaco last week. Australia's women's sevens team won Com Games Gold, a World Cup and the World Series in 2022, and Caslick was instrumental in all contests. Aussie sevens teammates Madison Levi and Faith Nathan were also up for the award, but it was Caslick who got the gong. On accepting the award, Charlotte said, I think we've just had a really fun year. We have a great group of girls with Maddie and Faith also nominated, but the whole squad has been awesome all year. As a group, we've really reflected on the past 18 months from the Tokyo Olympics and that disappointment and really turned it around. The team are currently in Dubai preparing for round one of the World Series, which starts on Friday. No rest for the girls. No rest. They have just been grinding away. Congrats to Charlie. It's a very impressive effort and very well-deserved that award. Now it's time for the key story. Did you know that 40% of Australian menstruators have had to change to a less suitable period product due to the cost? We know that period poverty has had long-lasting impacts on the daily lives of women, girls, and those who menstruate. 48% have missed education classes due to their periods, and 65% have missed sports because of their periods. The WNBL will be hosting a fighting period poverty round during round four of the season this week to raise awareness for this important cause. We're very lucky to have the chance to sit down and chat with WNBL superstar and Australian Opal, Annalie Maley, about this round. Annalie, firstly, can you tell us why this round is so important? Thank you for having me. Um, This round is important because I think that especially coming up in sports, We've always been taught that, you know, a period is something to be shameful of and to hide and not discuss. And um, I definitely think that when we talk about period poverty and period, you know, information in general, you know, not a lot of people know a lot about it. You know, we have the the players who, you know, menstruate and then there's coaching, coaching staff. There's a lot of, you know, husbands and brothers and Um, men in the league that don't know much about it either. So I think that it's super important and I'm really proud of the WNBL for getting involved with fighting period poverty because it not only destigmatizes something that needs to be talked about more in menstruation and period, but it also highlights that not everyone has access to the basic necessities of, you know, period hygiene. Um, And when I say, you know, when, you know, when we talk about young women and girls that need to see this, but not all women get periods and not all people that get periods are women. So, you know, we're just talking about people in general that experience menstruation and it should be a product that's accessible to everyone, especially people in sport. And, you know, I just think that I, I, I think that we have a platform and we have the opportunity to not only inform people but make a change Um, and that is, you know, hopefully it's around that we continue for the years to come. Yeah, it's so, so important and I'll chat at the end of this about how people who are listening can get on board to support it as well. So that round will be happening this week in the WNBL. You guys are going to be taking on a fellow undefeated team, the Townsville Fire, on Saturday night. How are you guys feeling for that matchup? Well, we actually haven't played for the last two weekends because we we had a bye and then there was a FIBA window. So I just can't wait to play a game of basketball. I don't <laughs> know, we were in preseason, then we had three games and then a break and I think we're all just itching. It's like you're back to preseason. Yes, yeah, so we're all just itching to get back out on the basketball court and, you know, hard 
tough games are fun games. You know, that's going to be a fun, really entertaining game of basketball. And um, I can't wait to watch it back. You know, like I can't wait to play, but like the the basketball is fun of it. And, you know, we, one of the girls on our team is a Townsville native. Alicia Froling's a Townsville local superstar. So at least, you know, we'll have one, one family cheering <laughs> for us in the crowd. So no, it'll be a really good game. I'm really excited. And talk to us about your WNBL career so far. So named the 2021-22 MVP, which was massive. What was it like kind of making your way through, progressing, improving as a player to then get to the point where I think you top scored for the league and then you were named MVP for that season as well? Yeah, it, you know, it still doesn't feel right when people tell me that I was the MVP last year. That's still not something that resonates in my brain. I don't know, like... I just always thought that I was just playing basketball and I was just enjoying myself. And then sometimes when people bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, like, ah, like that actually that was me. Like, I feel like it was just a bit of a, a dream, I guess. But I mean, I didn't focus, you know, and, and when I, when I think about last year and all the other years, I guess the, the highlight for me was the everyday, the trainings, the, the pathway that got me to that. Not really that in and of itself, like being an MVP was amazing, but, and it was a really, you know, something that I'm honored to have been, you know, awarded. But for me, the highlight was the whole entire season. It was the the monotony of every single day. It was the small interactions I had with everyone. Like that season was, you know, it's the MVP moments, you know, those, those small things that, you know, made it worth it. Like the journey as corny as it sounds, that the process of getting me to a moment was the most enjoyable experience for me. And, you know, if, if, if anyone had followed my career, they would know that the, se- the two seasons before, I barely shot the ball, like barely shot the ball. I wasn't really a scorer. I've always been a defender and a rebounder, but, you know, I, I just decided that that was something about my game that I really wanted to change and hone in on. And, I worked really, really hard to get to that place. And I still don't think I've reached my my ceiling yet. And I, there's so many things in my game that I still want to improve on. But really for me, it's just about refinding myself and enjoying the game, finding my why, you know, because we, we, we can play basketball every day. But if we don't know the our why behind it, like why am I doing this? And I feel like I really found my why last year. And you know, I'm even trying to further dive into that and what that is for me again this season and what my identity is like as a basketball player, as a person outside of basketball, that all plays into the way that I perform on the basketball court. So that's just something that I'm trying to work on and currently grow on. And um, yeah, I really think that if there's anything that I can say to the people that have big achievements is to just look at the, the process should be the achievement, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. I imagine a big contributor to the why would have been the Basketball World Cup on home soil earlier this year. I sat in the stands and just cried most of the time. Um, it was a great time. But I think you were the second most sold jersey after the GOAT. And yeah. every time you came onto the court, the crowd just erupted. What was that What was that feeling like? Um, the experience with the fans for me was unreal. Like I had some crazy support, which, you know, was probably the first time in my career I've ever felt like a professional athlete in that sense, like recognized when I'm going to get coffee. Um, 
And I think for me, like the coolest thing even now is like I go to junior basketball stadiums to watch my cousin and stuff like that. And I have young kids coming up to me asking for me to sign their Maley jerseys. Like that is like mind blowing. Like that's something that I've never thought I'd experience in my playing career. So I think that I, I just, I, I'm very outspoken and I'm, I'm true to myself and I have a big personality and I'm, I'm harsh. I'm rough around the edges. I'm just me. And I think that maybe there are a lot of people out there that can relate to that. I'm also very vulnerable. I talk a lot about the stuff that I've been through and all I try to do is give the most amount of time that I can to everyone that comes up to me and wants to talk or get a picture or get an autograph or like even just, you know, get some advice about basketball or life. You know, I'm, I'm an open book and I, I love to talk to people and um, give them the opportunity to get to know me. And the fact that, that I had that type of support from the fans was, I couldn't believe it. Like I didn't play that much. So like when I did get subbed on and everyone was like super hype about it, I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't, like, it was so cool. And like most of the time I couldn't stop smiling. It was, it was a really <laughs> cool experience for me. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time and coming on and having a chat and best of luck against the fire on the weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you want to get involved, you can donate at sharethedignity.org.au. I'll put the link in the show notes. All donations will go towards funding a dignity vending machine to be placed in a location where the most vulnerable will be able to access period products in a free and dignified way. Let's take a look at what to watch. As we said, the Aussie 7th kick off their World Series defence at Round 1 in Dubai this weekend. The matches start on Friday afternoon with the Aussies facing China at 4.22pm AEDT. All games over the weekend will be live on Be In Sports, which you can watch through Foxtel, Foxtel. is it? Yeah. In golf, the Australian Open starts on Thursday and all four days are set to be broadcast live and free on the Nine Network and Nine Now, as well as through Foxtel and KO. Make sure you tune in and see some Aussie major history being made when the women compete alongside the men. In basketball, the WNBL is back from a week off and the only two undefeated sides face off on Saturday night. The Townsville Fire, not higher, host the Bendigo Spirit and tip-off is 7pm local time, which is 8pm AEDT. Is that right? Is it in yeah, Townsville? Know. Yeah, they're hosting. Great. Look at me go. Do You've not miss that. this one. It'll be a huge battle between these two red hot teams with the Fires, Loz Nicholson, going head to head with the Spirits, Annalie Maley, who we just spoke to in the key story. The game is live and free on Nine Now. And our A League women's match of the round is the Sydney Derby between Sydney FC and the Western Sydney Wanderers. The match will play at Marconi Stadium on Saturday at 3pm AEDT and you can watch live and free on the 10 Play app. And that's the wrap. That's the wrap. What a week. So many finals, so many awards. It was very exciting. So many new premierships, so many bites of vanilla slice. So many emails hopefully being received shortly offering us vanilla slice deals. I love that. I really love that. Great job. See you next week. See you next week, fans. (laughs) 